Ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chicky Fitzgerald. Welcome back and thanks for listening to The Game Changer, sponsored by Traveling to Give, a smart trip tool that helps you leave a legacy with every visit to your facility or your events. This is one of our best of Game Changer series, which was actually recorded in 2009. Since there are so many similarities to what is going on in the economy right now, these shows are particularly relevant. Let's join the interview now. I'd like to welcome my first guest to the show, Nancy Widman. Good morning. Good morning, Nancy. What's Great the weather like in, in New York? It just started to snow, so we're uh, we're expecting another storm, Chicky. Oh wow! You know, I mean, we've got cold weather here in Tampa, but I I know better than to complain about our kind of cold. You bet. We've had a hard winter. Yeah, you guys have. We uh we had obviously a gorgeous day on Sunday for the Super Bowl, and yes, then yesterday, you did. yes, you I did. Look great. Yesterday it was uh, cold and rainy, and we were so glad that that weather held off. And now today we've got another beautiful day. Well, I really appreciate you being part of this inaugural event. Uh, you know, I think it's really momentous, uh, certainly for me, to have someone who I consider to be uh, a broadcast pioneer. And I, I don't know if you like that term or not, but uh, you were uh, clearly a, a very moving force in, in the CBS radio uh, development. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background so that uh, I get all the dates right? Great. Thank you, Chicky. I'm not at all uncomfortable with the term pioneer. I used to be, but not anymore. Although it, it does sort of have an image of sitting in a buckboard with a little white cap on. But um, uh, I started my career in sales, uh, in, all in radio. Uh, 25 years at CBS, I had some wonderful jobs. Um, I look back with uh, great, great pleasure and joy. Uh, uh, I started uh, selling radio time in the 70s, uh, then went, uh, then moved up through the company into sales management, and the very most fun job I had was uh, WCBS-FM. I ran a radio station, a great oldies radio station for six years, then put another foot on the ladder and moved up to running the, uh, uh, the stations division, and finally um, for eight uh, wonderful years, was president of CBS Radio. Uh, we had uh, stations all over the country, news talk and rock and roll, and boy, that's an old term, right? Rock and roll. Um, <laughs> <Definitely>. Oldies. <laughs> and um, uh, well, it was called rock and roll before it was called oldies. <laughs> yes, exactly. And now I think it's still called rock and roll. It was, uh, it was a fabulously exciting time. Uh, I was... Uh, paving uh, the way, I hope, and uh, putting some uh, dents in the glass ceiling. Uh, I was the first woman to hold um, every job that I held at CBS. So uh, those were long, exciting, um, innovating years. Mm -hmm. um, subsequently, after CBS, I, um, I 
co- uh, co-authored a book with uh, two other women called I Didn't See It Coming, How to Avoid Being Blindsided in Business, uh, which was published last year, uh, by two years ago by Wiley in 2007. And it basically is a survival guide. That's kind of the best way. Yeah, and I want to come back and talk a little bit of that uh, about that in our second half hour when we talk about leadership. But Great. you know, I think in in our first topic, which is about innovation, you know, you've clearly set the stage here of talking about the early days of your involvement in radio, and you know, especially being uh, responsible for advertising sales. Because as I've talked to people about uh, launching the Su- Solutions Live Broadcasting Network. You know, they kind of look at me like I'm a little bit crazy. It's like, well, where are you going to get your audience? And I said, well, you know, right now I'm focusing on the content. And, you know, I'm just blessed to have such amazing people available to me, uh, authors and experts. And, and uh, you know, I, I lined up this morning uh, one of the, the guys who was a leader in one of the key battles in Afghanistan uh, to be on my show about leadership right. when his new book comes out in, in April. And, you know, when I just think about this, uh, you know, first of all, I tell them, you know, it's really different than the early days of radio when, you know, a show was truly perishable and your advertising inventory was perishable, right? Oh, absolutely. And uh, we certainly learned um, with the the ads in the Super Bowl that will continue to go on and um, which, which will continue to go on and on and on. Um, uh, with these wonderful commercials because they have so many other platforms. Yes. Um, and, and in the music business and in the radio business, um, all kinds of different ways of reaching uh, the consumer have developed, whether it be uh, through the computer or and in many different ways. So, so nothing is perishable anymore. <laughs> it can be packaged right. and a bow put on it and sold so many times over where um right. that it's that's what's so exciting about this time yeah i uh, think so too and you know last week i, I think i told you i did a, a three-day series called uh trans transition solutions excuse me uh about helping people who are either in transition and unemployed those who are self-employed and questioning whether they should stay self-employed right. and, and those that are kind of holding their breath to see if they're next and uh, it was really interesting because, again, somebody asked me about, uh, you know, the, the actual people who had listened to the show live. And I said, well, you know, those numbers weren't what I would have liked. But the cool thing is I can go back now with uh, the Blog Talk Radio platform, and I can actually look at how many people have downloaded it since. And that's what really gets me excited is the viral nature of this kind of a platform. So I am just delighted to share the launch of this platform with you, and I'd like to turn our eyes to innovation when the sky is falling, How which is what you that? and Agai <laughs> agreed to talk about today. Well, when you think of the subject of innovating when the sky is falling, people might have a tendency to say, why and how? Because this is a time when you do feel filled with anxiety and concern and uh, kind of when you're working for a company, you almost want to hunker down and say, if I can just ride this storm out, maybe I'll survive. Well, that's exactly wrong. Uh, if you look at, at the subject innovating when the sky is falling, and you look at what innovating means, by definition, it simply means creating or introducing something new 
or, and this is even more important, a new way to do something. Right. So this is a perfect time and to be an innovator. Not only is it a perfect time, I contend that you have to innovate. You have to in, innovate if you're a leader and you're running a company. You can't do things the same old way. You can't do things the way you did even two years ago. Certainly not five years ago. I think even one quarter. Even one quarter, exactly. And I was that, talking. Yeah, I was talking to a friend yesterday, and I and she said, "Well, you know, it's like everybody's paralyzed, Chicky." And I said, "Well, no, I I think it's even worse than that. I think they're waiting to exhale." And they don't realize that the longer you hold your breath and the longer you keep from moving forward, that you actually start turning blue. You know, you, you actually exactly. can't breathe. And exactly. then it, it takes a lot longer to recover. So if you look at, I totally agree, if you look at the concept of innovating, coming up with a new way of doing things or a new prospect for a company, this is the time to do it. And I also contend that in order to keep the job you have to hang on to your job. When you're working in, inside a company, you have to be an innovator. You ha and how do you do that? Well, you think like an owner. Right. I would love to have a whole bunch of people work for me that were thinking like, what would I do if I owned this company? And, and each and every person should be walking into their boss's office. And this takes great courage and say, Listen, I've been looking at this operation. I've been looking at the way my job is being done. I have a, a thought, an idea of a new way to do it. Can I run it by you? Now, if, I'm, if I am looking at my workforce and I have to let people go, I can assure you as a manager, as a, as a boss, that's not the person that I'm going to let go. <laughs> I'm not going to let anyone go who comes in with full energy and full enthusiasm with a new way of doing things, who is showing me creativity and innovation uh, and trying to think about what they would do if they owned the company. Every single person should be thinking about what would they do, mm -hmm. how would they handle it if they owned the company. If you can't come up with a new way of doing things, you're not going to survive. The, right. Not only is the company not going to survive, but you're going to have a hard time hanging on to your job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, even for people who are out looking for jobs, and, and I volunteer in an organization here in Tampa called Real Estate Lives that's helping people in the construction and real estate industries, uh, you know, find new roles in new kinds of companies. And, you know, these folks, many of them have been in that industry their whole lives. And uh, I said to one guy yesterday who happens to be in, in finance and then another one uh, who has been, you know, kind of in sales and marketing of, of, you know, new developments, I said, you know, why don't you sit down before your interview and come up with a hundred different ideas? They can be crazy. Great. They can require mm -hmm. money. They can mm -hmm. require people. Absolutely no constraints. And come up with a hundred ways to help the company that you're interviewing with grow. And then tell the person that you came up with this list of 100 and that you'd like to share the top three with them. And I guarantee you, you will pique their interest. I so totally, same kind of thing. I totally agree. The other, the other thing that people say to me is, this is not a good time. There's no money out there. This is not a good time to start a company. This is not a good time to take that, to be entrepreneurial. And that's not true. 
when we look back in history and the and the history of business and we we look at the companies that started during down times uh it's an amazing list uh Hewlett Packard started in 1939 which was really an awful time Microsoft in 1974 Cisco in 1984 and then after 9/11 I was looking back at that that's when Vonage started and all those mm-hmm. wonderful companies so crises and particularly financial crises or this kind of downturn may very well be a perfect time to start something new. Mm-hmm. I was reading um, an article about um, uh, investors and in, uh, venture capitalists and looking at concepts, and someone was quoted saying, if someone brings me a thought or concept now, I know it's serious, it's well thought out, it's not at all frivolous, and I would be more inclined to lend money now to this person than in the days where I was flooded with ideas of companies that never had a possibility yeah, of that surviving. That really makes a lot of sense. So this is a time. This is a time when whether you are working inside a company or whether you are thinking about starting something yourself, when innovation is going to help you survive, but it takes courage and it takes creativity to raise your hand. We're really talking about theoretically raising your hand in this environment. Uh, It's so scary. Uh, People are, as you mentioned before, they're paralyzed. They're concerned every day. And uh, and you can't blame them. We're being bombarded. Our lives are so impacted everywhere by what's going on. But you have to think about, how would I do my job differently? Mm-hmm. What, what kind of company can survive? I mean, think about it. Um, look at the, I was talking with one of my coaching clients. We were talking about she wanted to start a business on the side because she wasn't really sure how long her job was going to survive. And I said, think about the environment. Think about what's going on in the world and how can you tap into that? If you can find a way to help people, individual people, save money, keep more of their money, that's a pretty good idea. If you can help people reposition themselves, mm-hmm. if you can help them reimagine themselves, that's a great business these days. Absolutely. Yeah, I had someone on last week um, on the transition show, and we were talking a a lot about reinvention. We had one woman who had been part of the dot-com bomb and ended up uh, going on vacation to Costa Rica and realized that she had this incredible passion for surfing. And now she runs this company that does uh, surfing training uh, primarily for women and does these surfing camps. You know, a little bit like the outward bound experience of, of giving women confidence that they can try something new. And she didn't learn how to how to uh, um, surf until she was 30, I think 32. Mm, and, you know, that kind of encouragement of, of people just hearing stories and then starting to think about, you know, what they could do. And I talked to another woman uh, who has written a book uh, about her adventures of leaving behind her life in Austin, Texas. And at, you know, age 60 picking up and moving to New York City, something she'd always wanted to do. And, you know, she was fortunate to be a coach and an author and, and had some, you know, revenue streams so that she wasn't, uh, you know, kind of going out, um, you know, totally blind. 
But uh, it was just really exciting to me to hear how people have envisioned themselves, and I think that you then begin to be able to break out of that. Um, let me just remind those people who are uh, listening online that if you have any questions, you can initiate a chat session on the homepage of the Solutions Live show. Uh, there's a little button called Chat. And if you will ask your questions of Nancy, I'll be happy to relay that on to her. And if you do want to call in and ask a question live, that number is 646-727-2840. And I'd also like to put in a little plug for our sponsor today. Uh, speaking of innovation, uh, uh, Greg Fralick has launched another new company. He's got one called Magnetic Messenger, which allows you to print all kinds of great things that you want to send to people that you really want them to put on their refrigerator. But he's got another company called Trendy Prints. Com. And uh, I thank Greg for sponsoring us today. All right, Nancy, let's talk about the different kinds of innovation. Because, you know, I know from my background, I tend to think of innovation as technology. But you've described a lot of different kinds of innovation. So, you know, reinvention is one. Uh, new business models. I mean, in my industry, oh, my God, we are so <laughs> in need of a new business model. Uh, and Chris and I are going to talk about that a little bit at 11 o'clock when we talk about innovation and, and um, uh, investment in the travel industry. But what kinds of uh, innovation have you been thinking about? Well, I, I think you can complicate the issue, and you don't have to. Uh, when you're, you talk about the word innovation, you sort of think about you know, somebody in a garage uh, deciding a, a new technology, mm -hmm. Hewlett-Packard, for example. But that it, that's not necessarily what we should be talking about now. Innovation may be simply a new way of doing the job that you're now doing. I mean, we can. Many people are not in a position where they can start their own company. Many people are not in a position where they can leave the security and the comfort of um, mm -hmm. of the corporate life. So when you say innovation to those people, somehow they, they, their eyes glaze over because right. they, they don't have the time, they think, or they don't have the energy, or they don't have the courage. Um, they're just trying to, as I said before, hunkering down to get through this. Let's take that word innovation and, and make it much less complicated. And it really can be simply walking in tomorrow morning and looking around at the company that where you're sitting down in that, at that desk, in that office, and saying, how can I find a different, more efficient, more effective way of doing what I'm now doing? Whether you're a CEO or you're entry level, that's what you need to be thinking about every moment that you're in there. That's innovation. Mm -hmm. You don't have to come up with a new product. You don't have to come up with a new technology. You have to keep open your mind, and hopefully, and we'll talk about this later, you're in an environment that you can express uh, your, the ideas, and you can walk into your boss's office and say, hey, listen, I have, a, I have an idea, and let me run this by you. If you have that environment, you need to have the courage to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, I think that's really important, Nancy, and, and the point about people's eyes glazing over when they think that they have to actually carry out whatever it is, uh, you know, that they've got as that new idea, and that they have to do it somehow alone, uh, is really a misconception. I I think we need to take the sort of um, mystique out of uh, 
the the concept of innovation and we have to say it's really looking at everything with a different eye and that's not easy we're all we all hate change and we're we get very comfortable and we're frightened uh these days so um i contend that you need to put yourself in a situation where you're not frightened and one of the ways you can do that and i hope everyone thinks about this is you need to have a survival fund um, you can't be creative and innovative unless you're you have some confidence and some courage and the best possible way to get courage and confidence no matter what you're doing is have money put away um, and that's what I, I call a survival fund and every every day and it doesn't have to be you don't have to put a thousand dollars away every week or every month who can do that you need to starting today this minute you need to take $50, $100, and put that money away. Right, right. You know, it's funny. I was reading over the weekend, I was reading uh, early on in the book of Exodus where it talks about that, uh, you know, the uh, Pharaoh knew that there was a famine that was about to happen and because Joseph had interpreted his dream. And, and he told him very, very practically to start putting away 20% during the seven good years that were just about to happen. And mm. then after that, there were going to be seven really horrible years. Now, I mean, that, that is like the, the earliest economic cycle on record. <laughs> that's, but, the, that's the first Susie Orman, right? Yeah, and no <laughs> but, you know, I thought about that, and I thought, you know, that is such a practical thing because whether you make $20,000 a year, 100000 or a million a year, if you can just settle on a percentage that you're going to tuck away into that, that fund and, you know, whether you call it a rainy day fund or, you know, I mean, whatever it is, or, or for someone like me, you know, my, my innovation fund that allows me uh, to move forward on all of the new ideas that oh, I have. Um, you know, I think, you know, and, and again, 20% sounds like a huge number, especially when, when you can't make your day-to-day -day bills. But I think your point of you got to start today. <laughs> I know, agree. Don't and lament I, the right. fact that you haven't done it up till now. Start today. Exactly. Uh, because I think we a lot of us had seven good years, and we didn't put the money away. Mm -hmm. A lot of us spent it, um, assuming that it would go on forever, and it didn't. And it, and it abruptly stopped for many of us. So I... I, I really, if there's one solid, solid piece of advice that I give my coaching clients and everyone I talk to, it's put a little bit of money away. Because I contend that if you don't have that fund, if you don't have that survival fund, a certain amount of money that you can live on, you're not going to have the courage and confidence to raise that hand we talked about and go into your manager and say, let's try something new. So it it has so it's very complex but if i'm advising you this is the way to hang on to your job by coming up with new ideas and being innovative and you don't have a way to survive if it all ends tomorrow you're not going to have the courage to go in with that new idea it's just this circle and the other right. thing that i think is so important in this environment um, that will give you more courage also is to broaden the concept of what you're going to do next and what you're learning every day. And that's working on your marketability. I don't think that you can be a uh, true innovator unless you have kind of flexed your creative muscles in a lot of different areas. The old 
world of stepping on the corporate ladder or stepping on a career ladder and going up one step at a time is really over. Um, and I think that's so healthy. Uh, you, the ladder is it's it's like a lattice now. It's not a ladder. And I think that you should look at if um, what would I do if I needed to find another job in this company tomorrow? Oh, there's one possibility over in the next division or department. And as you look at it, you have to look at will I learn something new? Will I grow in any way? Can I afford to do it? Has the money? And then add to your portfolio. Mm -hmm. You need to be always thinking about adding to your portfolio. We never thought about it that way. I never thought about it. I was like straight line. And and so many people are that way. In today's environment and world, if we're asking you to be creative, we're asking you, you have no idea where you're going to end up a year from now. Right. You have Six months from now. Right. We're going to take a short commercial break. You've been listening to The Game Changer, sponsored by Traveling to Give. For more information about our smart event tools that give back with each trip, visit travelingtogive.com. Welcome back. So think about when you're looking at, let's look at the money side and let's look at the talent skill side. These are survival techniques that everybody should be thinking about because I, I realize that the that there are people that when I say to them, I want you to come up with a new creative, innovative idea, look at me like, hey, I'm just trying to get through the day. Right. Um, and, and so the way that you can get through the day is just to sort of parse out your world a piece at a time. And one is to get that money put away. Mm-hmm. And the other is to learn and grow and be creative and, and, and add to your skill sets in any way you can. Mm-hmm. At this meeting I was at yesterday, uh, I must have heard the word transferable skills about 10 times. There you go. And what they were uh, talking uh, about were the two dimensions that you just talked about and then also the geographic dimension because you've got a whole bunch of people in, uh, in this particular case, real estate and building here in the Florida area that can't find work. But right now, apparently, there is just a building boom up in Vancouver getting ready for the, the Olympics Olympic. they're going to be hosting. And they said, you know, if you're willing to, uh, you know, buy four tickets a, a quarter for, for your spouse or, you know, someone to come up and, and visit you while you're working up there, you know, there's plenty of work. So you need to be innovative, you know, in, in that part of your reinvention too. Or, you know, are you at a place in your family life and your relationships where you could go and teach uh, English in Southeast Asia? Uh, uh, you know, right now, or, you know, uh, again, there, there are lots of places where there is work. And, and so both from the transition side and, and from when you're in a company and whether it's a corporation or, or a, a smaller, uh, more entrepreneurial business, I think innovation, it just has to take so many different shapes, but it isn't a luxury. It is survival. That's right. And, and the word that you just used, which is transferable, Think about that. Think about transferable skills. I, I do um, a lot of coaching with some people where I say, okay, sit down and tell me what you, what you like, what you learned, what you could do, what you'd like to do, where you can move. What, tell me what you do every day. All of those kinds of things. You see, we get into a very narrow kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. We, can't, we can no longer have narrow thinking. Right, right. If, if pe- people need to be innovative with their own career, too, 
never mind with uh, with starting new companies. But there's a company too that you've just invented, one that's that's springing up everywhere. How showing people what how they transfer their skills. Right. That's Absolutely. another small business that's starting up right now. Now, tell me a little bit about the Guru Nation and and what you do. I, I know your your coaching business tends to focus on coaching, you know, senior executives. How about the Guru Nation? Well, the Guru Nation uh, is started by my co-author Amy Copeland uh, a year ago, and what she has just is putting together is the most amazing group of coaches, online coaches, it, it packaged it together in a way in which, and it is, um, it's free. All you have to do is sign up and uh, you get to just what we're doing here. But she has, I think she has now um, certainly well over a hundred coaches, with all kinds of amazing skills wow. where we do, where you can, we do phone-ins we do. You can talk to them. You can reach out. It's an ongoing coaching, online coaching business. It's just fascinating. So if anyone wants to check in, thegurunation.com, and it is exactly what, we're ta- what, what it says. It's a, it's a whole group of gurus that are at your disposal. All you have to very cool. Why don't why don't you uh, do an electronic introduction uh, for me to Amy, and maybe I can get her to come on the show and talk a little bit about what inspired her to do that. I would be happy. She's the most entrepreneurial person I know. That's great. Well, tomorrow's shows are all about uh, kind of the the social side and the entrepreneurial side and the spiritual side of life. So. uh, if, if she happens to be available, I would love to snag her, but we can certainly talk about uh, getting her on at some point in time. Well, I'd like to shift focus now a little bit to leadership, because whether you are in a corporation or in an entrepreneurial firm or you're already out on your own or you're in transition, you know, the issue of leadership is another real cornerstone of how we're going to get through uh, this mess that we're in right now. Without question. I can't remember a time that has been more difficult to lead other people, to manage. And when you think about how do you lead in times of turmoil, uh, I, I think about what my clients are faced with. Um, money is drying up and the markets are changing. Their market's changing. More important, the morale that they're dealing with is um, just about at the all-time low. Their workforce is just paralyzed. They often have, and I think this is almost the hardest, they have unreasonable pressure from above for sales and profit. Um, they, they have to work in an environment that they're cutting back all the time. They need to figure ways to work on the morale of the people that work for them, get them to move forward. They have to set an environment, and this is even more important. We just came out of a conversation on innovation, and one of the pieces of advice that we gave people to hang on to their job was to be able to walk into their boss's office and say, I have a great idea. Let me tell you about it. Now, if you're not the kind of leader that has set an environment of comfort that that person can come in and do that that works for you, everybody's going to fail. Right. So I, I, can't, I can't imagine a tougher time. I can't imagine more, 
more uh, a difficult time for people to lead other people. So let's figure out how they can do that in this in this world because it, it, no one is going to survive this if they can't figure out how to handle this. Right. Let's, Absolutely. let's look at some some things that have to be done. Um, I think they have to find a way to deal with the uh, morale and anxiety issue of the people that work for them. It it could not be more important to to first recognize that and lead in a different way. And by that I mean to have more compassion and understanding. You have no idea what your staff's going home to at the end of the day whether or not they're another breadwinner in the family has lost their job. So mm -hmm. I think you, I, I don't think, I believe that you need to uh, be more compassionate and also more honest. This is the hard one. Right. People are, the anxiety level of the people that you lead, that you're leading today is, is just off the chart. You have to be as honest with them as you can be. Now, having having been in that situation myself many times, there are certain things that you can't discuss with your staff, and I appreciate that. But there are things that you can, and and if you can let them know that you are human, but that you're in control and in charge, and be as honest with them as you can be about what is going on. The the Unknowing is what breeds anxiety, and you have to. You have, I, I was talking to someone the other day about going in every morning with an attitude of optimism. I can't think of anything more important than going in with an attitude of enthusiasm and optimism. And if you're the boss, if you're the leader, and you're tiptoeing around in fear. Your entire staff is, is will be useless to you, and right. don't allow any that whole group of people that work for you to fall into that sort of downward spiral. Mm -hmm. Nothing will get done. Right. So, well, I you know I, I would say though that you know you have to very carefully um, tie together that optimism and compassion because you know it's easy for someone who's still pulling in a hefty six-figure salary to be optimistic. Uh, last week I had uh, a woman named Michelle Bersel, uh on my show on Thursday, and she was talking about weathering the financial storm while you're in transition and what it feels like to walk into Target and to look around and think that everything's too expensive right now. Mm. And first of all, a lot of senior executives have never, you know, crossed the threshold of Target or Walmart, you know, let alone... Oh, I bet they are now. Well, yeah, I bet <laughs> they are now too, and certainly Target hopes they are. But, you know, and my, my husband and I were, you know, driving down the street the other day, and, and he saw, uh, you know, an African-American walking down the street, and he said, oh, look, the Afro is coming back. And I said, Michael, I'm not sure that that's a style thing, but, you know, I mean, I know myself, you know, when I look at cutting back, I cut back on, on getting my hair done, you know, yeah, every couple that. of weeks. And all of a sudden, you know, I've, I've re uh, gotten reacquainted with L'Oreal hair color. Well, let's, and, look at and, the, let's look at those six-figure people that we're talking right. about, because I think we can, in, in, in many ways, demonize them, and we shouldn't, because um, they are, uh, if, if they're managing an operation, they, are, um, they, they have to be 
enthusiastic and energetic or they will totally. not be managing tomorrow. And there's nothing worse. I, I, I sometimes talk with leaders to tell them that they have no idea how important their behavior is. Right. And then you're cutting out a little bit again. They have no idea how much their behavior and attitude impacts the staff. Definitely. So whether they're whether people are making a six figures or five figures, this is a, this is a very very complicated time. How do you keep the morale up of the people that work for you when you can't give them more money? Mm-hmm. You know, it's an interesting concept that people need to be rewarded. And the number one way to reward them is recognition. I remember giving out plaques, believe it or not, in a very tough time at CBS when we couldn't reward people with extra money or bonuses or any of those things. And coming up with them, it sounds so simple, but it was a, a plaque of the salesman of the week or salesman of the year. But the public recognition of that, the public recognition of that mattered so much to the people that work for me. So you yeah, can't that is really important. You can't give the bonus. You can't give mm-hmm. but you have to recognize someone bringing a new idea. You have to recognize someone doing outstanding work. You have to. You can't stop doing that. Right. One of my guests last week talked about how, you know, over the years they had never once saved a pay stub of a bonus check, but they had a handwritten note there you from go. one of their bosses 15 years ago telling them that they did a good job. And so, you know, I, I think even if you can't afford the plaque route, which isn't very expensive, right. you know, taking the time to write a personal note to someone who isn't even sure that you know their name. I, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's yeah, absolutely I had, amazing. I had a boss uh, back at American Airlines, Sabre, back in, in the 80s, and I'll, I'll never forget it because it was 1984. I was working on a program for the Olympics in Los Angeles, and the guy who ran the company at the time um, was uh, Mike Buckman, and he's an amazing uh, communicator, and he walked past my cubicle, and he said, hey, Chicky, how are things going with the Olympics? And again, he was the CEO. I was an analyst, and I... You know, I had never been personally introduced to him. Now, I'm quite certain that he was just clever enough to glance at my name badge on my cubicle and to see something in my office that brought that to his mind. But I've never forgotten that, and I've told that story dozens of times. So I I think that, you know, that kind of thing can go a long way. I want to switch gears here just for a second uh, because we have a question um, from one of our guests. And hi, Kathy Peterson. Thank you so much for joining. She is... uh, going to be my guest on the Executive Girlfriends Group this Friday, and uh, I thank her for listening in. But she has a question for you, Nancy, of what are your thoughts on giving back to the community as a business owner and a leader and how that can redirect uh, the attentions of your employees, perhaps off themselves, onto people who are less fortunate? Wow. It's a great question because this is a time at which that all begins to dry up. And uh, people say, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm surviving myself and I'm working on uh, keeping myself alive. I can't reach out to other people. Uh, I can't give extra time. I can't. And, and think about it a couple of different ways. 
um, if you are, are reaching out into the community and you are helping other people, you're building your network of contacts. Not only are you probably building your skill set, and I'm being very practical about this, by the way, because you may take on a role in a, in a nonprofit operation outside your company that may add to who you are as an executive, as a manager, as a, you may be handling more things than you've ever handled inside a profit company. And the other thing is that people see you in a different light. One of the pieces of advice that I, I, I can give people is um, here you are working inside a company and you have an opportunity to um, join a nonprofit for, uh, for a period of time and you're running a meeting. You've never run a meeting inside your company, and someone sees you in that role. You're building your contacts. You're building your network, which could not be more important. You're working on that lattice that I talked about, which is adding to your skill set. And also, I let, let's, you're keeping your morale and your energy and your enthusiasm up. You're, um, you are reaching out to other people. You know, we have a tendency in this environment to think, woe is me. Um, how am I going to get through the day? And somehow or other, um, volunteering and reaching out will help you with that in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that actually came up yesterday at the Real Estate Lives meeting here, that, that actually volunteering during the time that you're in transition is something that you can put on your resume. And it can help, uh, you know, fill uh, that, that gap that could other, otherwise be really glaring um, you know, Kathy has one other question, which I think is pertinent, and, and just to give you a, a little bit of background, Kathy is the co-host of Lifetime TV uh, series, The Balancing Act, mm -hmm. and one of the things I love about her and why I asked her to be on the Executive Girlfriends Group call this Friday is she took a skill that she has, and, and uh, you know, if you haven't ever seen the show, uh, you know, she is a, an amazing uh, designer and, and, you know, is really adept at crafts and, and very, very creative. And she took that skill, and she translated that into a project of helping two former foster uh, children who aged out of foster care to remake their five-room duplex. And so she took her time, taught these girls how to make over this home, sewing, decorating, painting, making art. So, you know, it isn't always about just giving money. Um, you know, it's giving of your time and your talents and your treasures. And Kathy has a question if you have any advice on obtaining corporate sponsorships, on building a speaking tour to inspire others to give back. You know, how can you find those companies who have a particular soft spot uh, for giving back at this particular time? And I'm sure that there are others who are listening who would have the same question. The question is how do you find companies that um, in this environment are still um, contributing Yes. Oh, wow. That that's a tough question. I, I'm sure that um, there have to be ways of reaching, um, whether it be a website or somehow or other, that lets you know um, if it's a obviously if it's a publicly traded company, they're they're going to let you know uh, what they're doing. Right. You know, I don't have any hands-on knowledge of companies that are um, still contributing, but. You know, I, I'm sure they're out there. I, um, I, There's a new business idea in there somewhere. I, there certainly is. Matching up, right? I'm going to work on that. Matching <laughs> up. Matching, um, matching people that want to give on, on maybe a smaller level. Right. There may be people that, that have uh, companies that have been writing checks for years 
that have decided they can no longer afford to do that but want to find a way to connect their employees with um, right. outside companies. Absolutely. Well, that that is uh, actually something I'm going to noodle on. You know, I volunteer. You know, I, I haven't created a new business for a couple of weeks now. <laughs> right. So. I'm a, um, I, I I think the whole thought of volunteering in order to um, to expand who you are and what you've learned and what you can do is an amazing um, idea. And I and instead of people who are shall we say between jobs or transitioning. Um, spending a, uh, an enormous amount of time trying to get another job. And I recognize that people, if they don't have that survival fund that I want them all to have, um, need very much to um, to fill the coffers back up. But I am telling you that there's another coffer that needs to be filled up, and that is um, someplace to go where you matter. Right. I started volunteering for Dress for Success, which is a marvelous organization. Yeah, I was organization. just going to ask you to share that. I'm going to jump in with that. I am, um, which is a marvelous organization, which um, uh, gets women ready for uh, interview ready for uh, for work, uh, disadvantaged women. And I started volunteering on Monday mornings because when my CBS career was over, um, the morning that I had the hardest time with was Monday morning. So I thought in order for me to emotionally survive, I'm going to need to have a place to go on Monday morning where I matter and where I'm making a difference. And that was 10 years ago when I started um, working for uh, volunteering for Dress for Success, and I'm still doing it. Very interesting. You know, I, I had uh, reached out to them here in Tampa as well because I was trying to set up uh, a charity that my daughter could volunteer uh, her time. And my daughter is 10 and just has a real passion for giving. So I, I set up a, a local charity here called Kids for Humanity. And I thought, you know, kids may not be able to donate their time to a lot of things. But, you know, I know my daughter could go around to every house in the neighborhood and ask if women had suits that they no longer wore or didn't fit or whatever it was. Right. And that, you know, she could get her friends to do that in all of their neighborhoods. So, you know, that, that brings up a, a good point back to the leadership point and back to the point of, a leader being able to make themselves uh, more human uh, looking to their people. Because, again, if you've got this aura of the corner office mm. and, and you know, still driving, you know, the Mercedes or the BMW, even though, you know, it may have been paid off years ago and, and you know, it isn't really an economic statement just as much as having a, a car that, you know, is, is durable and works well. But, you know, to the person who is struggling and whose spouse just lost their job, um, you know, I think that if if leaders can show what they're doing in the community, and, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about going out and building a house for Habitat for Humanity mm -hmm. or doing something mm -hmm. highly visible and giving the employees a way to participate in that, uh, of giving of their time when, when perhaps they used to be able to give money, whether it was to their church or to their local charity. You brought up in a, an email to me yesterday that, you know, this time is not only tough, you know, for those of us who, who are dealing with employment issues, but those of us who did make a, a significant salary uh, in the past and perhaps don't have the same income level, you know, I mean, my husband and I used to be prolific givers. And, I mean, we still are, but we're giving proportionately to what we make. And, you know, I can't wait for the day when I can afford, you know, to stock my trunk with food for the homeless, you know. Yeah, I know. And, and, you know, so the, the people who, who don't have 
funds and don't have the wherewithal to get a job like the women who participate in Dress for Success. You know, I think if leaders can step up and be visible in their community, now is the time to do that. And, you know, it, and that may be counterintuitive, but I think it really is the time. Let me tell you another reason why that's important. When, when I, I talk with the, the leaders that I coach and I recognize what kind of pressure they're in, and, you know, as I said, it's, it's sometimes very easy to demonize the person in the corner office, but I can assure you from my experience that the stress and the pressure that they're dealing with now is, for me, unparalleled than I've ever seen. And one of the things that I counsel my clients as a business therapist is to say, you need to find ways to deal with your personal stress. You will be of no good to anyone that works for you if you cannot begin to find ways, new ways to deal with your personal stress. Whether and, and one of the best ways to deal with personal stress is to reach out and perhaps volunteer on a, every other Saturday or something because you need to take care of yourself first. You can't take care of anyone else. You, you cannot lead other people if you're paralyzed. You just can't. You can't create an environment where people will bring you the creative ideas that will allow your company to survive if you are filled with anxiety and hiding in your office because you're terrified of the latest quarterly numbers that are not going to make the, the goal. So it is really, really, really complicated being a leader today. Mm -hmm. you, are, you are leading other people when you are under the most unbelievable stress yourself. So if you can't find ways to deal with your personal stress, you're not going to be an effective leader or manager in any way. Right. Nancy, what are the, what are the top three specific things that, that uh, leaders are asking you to help them with right now? Well, the number one thing is uh, uh, what do I do with the morale on my, uh, on my staff? Right. My staff seems paralyzed there. Uh, they, I can't get them. They're filled with anxiety. I'm, I'm catching all these conversations tucked in corners. I can only share with them so much information about how healthy or unhealthy the company is. There's some information that I can't share. What is your advice on how I can help uh, with this uh, morale issue in my, on my staff? Right. The other problem that they're dealing with is um, – I, I need to find ways to convince the people that work for me that any changes we make now are not temporary, they're permanent. That sounds easy, but it's not because we all, we hate change and we all want to think, okay, we're going to do it this way now, but six months from now, it will all go back to the way it was in the past. Mm -hmm. Leaders need to focus everyone forward and have their staff recognize that it is not temporary. These are not temporary changes. These are not temporary things. These are permanent things. So handling other people. And then the other thing is just what I said. I look at some of my clients and I can see fear in their eyes and I say, what are you doing? What are you doing 
you are you working out? Are you what are you doing? What are you doing to deal with your own personal stress? You just spent an hour with me telling me all the things that are happening as you have unreasonable profit and sales goals that you know you're not going to make. You have a staff that's paralyzed. You have you have a husband that perhaps is out of work. What are you doing so that you stay sane and healthy? Right. <laughs> the whole house of cards will fall if you don't stay sane and healthy. So those are really the three things that I'm dealing with now. Um, is this uh, is uh, managers and leaders who are um, caught in this absolute right. tsunami, and uh, and they really want to help the people that work for them. They really do. First of all, it's a, it's very practical, but also they're very decent people, and they recognize that everybody is uh, that these are a really unusual times. So getting them to move to think forward and not always looking back, right? getting them to recognize that changes are permanent, not temporary, finding ways to reward performance when you don't have money, you can't give raises, and also taking care of their personal stress issues. That's really great. And, and you know, when, when I think back to the first half hour of this show, it, it really points out to me that innovation is the answer. Innovation in rewards and recognition, innovation in making sure that those changes that you're making that are permanent are, are as painless as possible. And I don't mean just, just helping people deal with change, but, but actually to put processes and procedures in place that are appropriate to the current staffing levels and to the goals. Because you can't, you know, I mean, a board can't come in, and, and they do it every day, by the way, and put those high sales goals in place and at the same time approve you cutting, you know, 80% of your sales force. That's exactly what's going on. I, I know. I know. It's, it's mind-boggling. And I, I think that what they don't do is to draw those concentric circles that looks like a target and put the customer in the middle and well, they're trying to survive too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, <laughs> but again, putting the customer in the middle and and truly understanding who serves your customer and generates revenue, and those processes and procedures that you've had in place for a zillion years that don't make sense anymore, and that don't serve the customer and don't serve the person who's serving the customer or the person who's helping the person who serves the customer. Uh, I think customer centricity is is really uh, an, an important kind of, of uh, innovation and employee centricity, which is what you just talked about, of realizing that the only way to combat the total lack of morale that we have and the demoralization that, that has gone on from watching your friends lose their job or watching the talented in your organization lose yes. their job and, and to keep the marginal people because they didn't make much or they're That's younger right. or you right. know, whatever reason. And you and I have talked a lot about that. By the way, that's actually not really happening. I was so encouraged really? to, to see uh, a recent article, uh, maybe Portfolio Magazine, that uh -huh. talked about companies have, not all of them, unfortunately, but many of them have woken up to the thought that they need that middle manager, that person that's been there for a while. Right. No matter, they need them to keep this company moving forward that we're finding more and more cases where companies are not letting those people go. 
encouraging. And now I can tell you that, you know, my personal experience, particularly within the small microcosm of my executive girlfriends group, which is about 140 senior executive women in the travel industry, you know, we're still seeing the cuts happening, um, you know, and I won't say willy-nilly because I know that there's been a lot of thought and a lot of money spent with, uh, you know, the Baines and Mackenzies of this world to try to do a rational, responsible job. Um, you know, but still, uh, you know, on, on a case-by-case basis. Right. Uh, well, I was very encouraged by that because the, that article. The, thought, the, the thought that companies are going to end up with senior executives stuck in corner offices and a whole bunch of entry-level people and no one in the middle that knows what they're doing is really dreadful to think about. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. And and that in and of itself is is part of the demoralization. And and that if people believe that all that's left behind are 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 the people who who aren't uh going to be capable, um then it's even more demoralizing for the people who are are still there who are the really really hard workers, the people with the, you know, knowledge, saying, company I'm knowledge. Saying that the yeah, company right. knowledge is is really important in company history, which you you had mentioned to me right. in one of our other dialogues. Um, but also the people who have the, you know, 50-hour uh, work week ethic. And, again, I'm not exactly. going to argue whether that's right. a good thing or not. But, right. you know, if you've got people who are out of there at, you know, 5.01 and you used to, you know, be able to say to somebody over a weekend, oh, hey, I need this project done by Monday, exactly. and they say, no problem. And now you hear, sorry, dude, you know, off to the beach. Let me <laughs> you know. let me loop back and, and, and sum up here, Chicky. Um, uh, we need innovators. Mm-hmm. Uh, to keep moving forward, people need to think about their work like their owners, and they need to come in with new creative concepts that they can do their business, their job, their work in a, in a new, efficient, entrepreneurial way. We also, in addition, need leaders who will set an environment that people are comfortable coming in and saying, Let, let's try a different way. We need the combination of innovation and we need the combination of leaders that allow innovation to to just blossom. Hard thing to do, to get both of those things going. Right. That but is really excellent advice, though, Nancy. Great. I think, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, again, whether uh, the folks who are listening to this show, both live today and uh, those that, that – uh, listen to it and download it uh, uh, as the weeks go by, that they will think about this, um, you know, in their own personal situation. Uh, Those who are leaders uh, will think about how to motivate uh, their own people and and how to communicate the changes that are happening and, and, you know, to really deal with their personal stress. Exactly. And the last last Mm -hmm. thing, the personal stress thing, could not be more important. And I see that that's the one that's falling by the wayside, by the way. Right. Right. And it gives uh, it concerns me with my clients that they're not they're not addressing it. Nothing else will work, or nothing else will will allow them to lead effectively and courageously if they're not dealing with their own personal stress. Exactly. Well, that's one of the things I'm trying to combat with uh, with the Solutions Live uh, series because I believe that people need to hear encouragement. They need to hear about innovation and great. Uh, models of leadership, and uh, on on Thursday, our program is all about the personal side of professional life, uh, starting out with talking about 
um, life balance and health and wellness and giving as an important component of, of your personal health, and then also continuing uh, our series on, on transitions. So, um, you know, I am excited to be a part of, of helping folks, and, and I'm hoping that you will tell your uh, coaching clients about the show so that they can go back and, and listen not only to this one with you, but to some of the others that may help them address their issues. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be thinking about that, of really gearing some of our programs to, uh, you know, to helping on these particular points, uh, you Great. know, morale and change management and, and their own personal stress. Well, thank you so much, Nancy. And I look forward to our next conversation. You're welcome. I loved being with you. Thanks, Chickie.